David, just say something. My name is Dave, and I'm funky. My name is Dave, the one and only. In the beginning, God made the waves, but on the second day, he made Dave. My name is Dave, and I'm funky. My name is Dave, the one and only. Go loud. Can I go loud? Yes, I can go loud. My name is Dave, and I'm funky. My name is Dave, the one and only. People say I'm top of the class. If you want to argue, you're going to kick your ass. That's better. Now you're not blowing my ear out. Welcome to Fraculous, a technology podcast for humans. Episode 323. 3D printed avatars, unexpected swellings, and do we need another messaging app? Let's do it. The first thing I want to talk about, David, is your little mini-me. Oh yes, and do you know what, I've actually brought it with me here as well. Just behind me. Here I am. Talk us through this, David. What are you holding? So I'm holding a 3D printed version of me. This is the funniest thing ever. It is uncanny. I'm not going to lie. It's uh, made out of sandstone. So, you know, 3D printers are the future and have been the future for goodness knows how many years. But uh, this one is not made out of the kind of PLA plastic stuff that you see in a lot of the consumer printers. This one is made out of actual sandstone. Now, obviously, the clever thing here isn't just the printing. um, It's the scanning. I was going to say, how did they actually scan you? Did you have to stand to do that? Yeah, so I had to stand in this little booth. And I guess the the closest way I can describe it, it's like standing inside a giant Dalek that's incredibly well lit. Uh, and there are, I don't know how many cameras there were around it, but literally the scan takes a fraction of a second, like a normal flash from a, from a photograph takes. And... Also dotted around the inside of this Dalek are lots of what look like QR codes, which helps the cameras to register in 3D space. It's all very clever technology. So there's not a lot that's really that new that's happening here from a 3D printing point of view, but it's the scanning bit that is quite clever. So I had this done beginning of March or so in Birmingham for the photography show, hence me holding the microphone and having my little talk back. And in fact, the detail is really, really good. And I posted this on my various bits of social media um and yeah everyone's commenting how uncanny (laughs) it is anything they can't do is the glasses so david i think to test how uncanny i think what we need you to do we need you to remove yourself from frame and hold up mini david close to the lens and you talk (laughs) off camera and move mini david on camera can you do that can you well, I am a little bit concerned that this little fella here might start taking some of my work. And in fact, I was on a shoot for a, a corporate job up in Preston in Lancashire last year, I think it was. And interestingly, they 3D scanned me there and, and put me into a, into a bit of PC software. How many times have you been 3D scanned, David? Probably more than is healthy. <laughs> Although this one, uh, the, the one I was j- just talking about, um, they just use an Xbox Connect controller for that. So I was sat on a swivelly chair. They span me around. <laughs> that is a very high-tech solution to a 360 scan. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. But then what they asked me to do while I was spinning around, or actually while my head was face straight on, is to make various facial shapes. So to go wah and ooh and all of the different bits that make up the faces that we make when we're talking. The idea was that they could use me to create a kind of Crichton-style uh, avatar. A virtual David. A virtual David. And I'm like, hang on a minute, I'm not sure I'm happy about this because this will do me out of work eventually. In the same way that people, when photocopiers first come in, people took photocopiers of their bottoms, you just know that somewhere, somewhere at some point, someone's got drunk and has made a 3D model of their pe-
don't you, as a kind of a prank. That has, that has happened. Far as I know, no one has <laughs> taken a 3D scan of my penis. I must have been extremely drunk. <laughs> Not of your penis, I just meant... <laughs> You just know that within the people that developed this have all, have hit that point on a Friday night and they've gone, I know chaps, now let's 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 have some fun. And However, you can do 3D scanning, albeit, you know, not quite as swish as that with your smartphone. You know, there are apps that will let you do this. So if you want to 3D scan bits of your body in the privacy of your own home, then that's fine. It's just where you get them printed out. That's gonna be the challenge. You know how Boots used to object to printing out risque photos. Is there a similar code for 3D printers? Are they gonna say, they're gonna decline this one because it's it's too personal? Boots, when you had a film process in the old days, I think we all said, used to put stickers if it was overexposed or underexposed. And I, as, an summer, I, as a summer intern once, as an office junior, I was dispatched down to Boots to pick up my boss's holiday photos. Uh-oh. And being a, a, an yeah, and being an inquisitive teenager, uh, I had a quick sneaky peek, and there was one of his wife on the beach, clearly topless, and Boots had put a sticker over it saying, you know, be careful with this kind of stuff. So they <laughs> they genuinely used to put stickers on on nipples back in the day. No way, no way. You can get these three D prints made in ASDA these days. How much would would it be to get your own three D mini me? I think these are about 80-odd quid, 80 or 90-odd okay. quid, if you go to Asda and get them done. Uh, mine, I, sh I should say, mine was by a company called TwinMe, twinme.co.uk. I don't believe, at the time of talking, that they have any pop-up booths yet. Okay, so it's the scanning is the issue there. Exactly. They've got the technology. They were showing it off at the show, and it did look as though it had been lashed together with some gaffer tape uh, in places. But it worked really, really well. Shall we move on to your swelling, David? You posted a picture recently, quite a, a dramatic one, on Twitter. I did. I didn't really understand what, what happened here, Will, because you followed up with a picture of your MacBook clearly running Windows as if somehow running Windows on a Mac w was the cause of the swelling. I was talking to David about his swelling while also teasing you with my MacBook running Windows. And obviously, in your mind, these two conflated. But why would you tease me? That's a very sensible thing to do. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to see what your reaction was. Shall we cover Windows 10 first then? Let's do it. I was editing an episode of this podcast and it was one of our early ones where we hadn't quite, I hadn't got my checklist of 37 items I need to do before we start recording. I had forgotten to press record on the master audio track and I think you'd had problems with Filmic, David. I'd, I'd had problems in that show where I hadn't pressed record at times. I think Jeff was the only one who'd consistently recorded throughout, but I think, <laughs> but I think he'd missed a clap. Sorry, would, 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 I, I, if, you like, if you like, I can clap now, if that would help. Would that help? Retrospective clap. You're welcome. And I could not get these files to sync. I couldn't even work out who was talking to who at any one point in the show. Mm. But luckily, so we use WebEx for this internal chat. It records this chat on the server and I can then download a copy of that. <laughs> but it's in a custom WebEx format. Of course it so is. So it's not a video file. I need to get the WebEx player, which you can get for the Mac, so I could watch it back, but I couldn't then export it into a format that I could then put in Premiere. The only way to do that is to do it on Windows. Yes. I've got an old Windows laptop from my days of technology reviews journalism that was my test machine. So I fired that up, 
loaded up the web player and set it going. And it was so slow. I think it was <laughs> taking around four or five hours to convert this one hour meeting into a format that I could then use in Premiere. Wow. And then I thought, hang on, I actually have a high powered machine that sat behind me there. It just happens to run OS X and not Windows. But my whole foray when I first moved to Mac was to install Bootcamp on my Mac so I could dual boot, thinking I'd spend most of my time in Windows and occasionally I'd dip into OS X. And as I gradually progressed, I spent more and more time in OS X until eventually I lived mm -hmm. in OS X and got rid of my Bootcamp <coughs> partition. So I thought I'd revisit that. I also was aware that the free Windows 10 update expires, I think, on the 29th of July. Oh, yes. Of course it does. So I wanted to get that because I have a copy of Windows 7. I wanted to I wanted to start in Windows 10. That would have been the ideal. Just one simple boot camp, Windows 10, go. But you can't do that. The upgrade from your current installation to Windows 10, once you do that, that upgrade is locked to that hardware. Mm, so what I had okay. to do was install Windows 7 in Boot Camp first. And I didn't have my Windows 7 disk to hand. It was in storage. But luckily, you can download the Windows 7 ISO. But you have to put in your product key, which is fine. I had made a note of my product key, so that was fine. Put that in, and the site wouldn't let me download it. It said it was invalid. No. So I then had to... I'm just going to bring up my notes here. I love that you have notes. I've got <laughs> notes, Jeff. I thought, I'm going to keep notes on this because it's so painful. <laughs> I had to go and find my disk, which involved kind of half a day in storage, digging through old copies of everything. Found my disk. Got Windows 7 on there. And thought, well, this is only going to be temporary. It's just to get the upgrade. So I thought, I'll go for 32 gig. That's... That should be fine. Installed, it took forever. Went through the whole process, boot camp on there, booted into Windows 7, which is when I sent you the swirly image. Got in fine, activated, all good. Went to download Windows 10. It said, you can't, you've only got four gig of space. You need eight. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Found out that what I could do is just disable page file, hibernation file, just about eked out eight gig to do, and this was just literally just to do the upgrade. I just wanted to do the upgrade, get the upgrade going, did that, rebooted, killed the partition because I know from my days in Windows, upgrading is bad. If you've got any choice, go for a fresh install. Fresh install, yeah. So I now had my Windows 10 ISO I downloaded from Microsoft. I had it pre-authorized so it would recognize this hardware, activate, and I thought, well, Ooh, 32 gig, that was a bit tight last time. What shall I go for? I think I settled on 50, just to give me some space to put, you know, this WebEx app on. I thought, you know, I might want to put some other stuff on there. Who knows? I might, I might become Jeff and really like Windows 10. Went through the process again. Another install, another waiting for ages. Got into Windows 10, all set up, all ready to go. Found it's now got about 30 gig free. <laughs> but I now have a working Windows 10 install. Was it worth the effort? Was it worth the effort? Was it worth the effort? Well, it does convert files faster. So yes, in that respect, it does. Did you save time overall? <laughs> Given that it took you about a day? <laughs> Not now, no. <laughs> 
I think I will in the future. I will reap this benefit. But then I found I was in Windows 10 and going, yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. It's kind of like Windows a bit flashier. I then had to find a way to reverse the mouse because it scrolls in the old it's, way. It, it, scrolls, it scrolls normally, yeah. No, it doesn't yeah. scroll normally. Here's how yeah, you have scroll- to think about it. If you think about when you use an iPhone, you move the paper and the paper moves the direction you're scrolling. So effectively, if you're on a touchpad, you're putting two fingers on it, and you push up and the paper goes up. You pull down, the paper goes down. That is the correct way of scrolling. It took a long, it took a couple of weeks for me to get used to it when Apple switched it. But to actually get that to stick in Windows 10 is impossible. So that's my first complaint. What, so you have to set it every time? Yeah, it just doesn't, you have to do a registry hack for a start, which just reminded me of being back in Windows. And even then, it doesn't always stick. And then I thought, I'll try out Edge. This is a new thing, isn't it, Jeff? Tell me about Edge. What, what is Edge? Edge is the fastest way to download Chrome. <laughs> nice. it's, really good at down, it's really good at downloading Chrome in a hurry. That's, that's great. So it's still, it's still no good, even though it's the new Internet Explorer. It's not Internet Explorer. No, it is lighter, leaner, quicker, and it's not Internet Explorer. I went to the WebEx site in Edge to download the client, and it said something like, you cannot view this site in Edge. You're going to have to use Internet Explorer. And I was like, what? That does seem slightly ridiculous. Yeah. You've got a new browser, and it can't view all of the web's content. You're now going to have to use the old browser that we're trying to replace, confusingly, with a new one bundling both of them on the same system. Oh, but come on. It's so Windows, Jeff. It's so Windows. But you know that in, in the corporate world, there are still custom-made web apps out there that still only work on IE6 or, I, or IE7. Either replace it or don't. Don't have this, like, half ass there's two systems, some of them work, some of them don't. So Windows. So anyway, I haven't rebooted back in since converting the file. <laughs> I'm now Windowsed up. Do you have parallels or were you just boot camping? I was boot camping because I wanted the power. That's the thing. I wanted the full power. Yeah, okay. And also boot camp is free. Parallels costs. I did used to have a copy of, I think it was VMware actually. I think I was a VMware rather than a parallels person. There used to be VMware and parallels for Mac and you had to decide which camp you were in. I think VMware Fusion was the first one to do that seamless windowing where it would get rid of the desktop and make the Windows apps look like Mac apps. And I had that when I first moved over to Mac in about 2010. All of a sudden I wasn't able to use it on newer versions of Mac OS and also new versions of Windows as well. So I just haven't had the need to upgrade. So should we move back to your swelling? I've got uh, my daily driver is a MacBook Pro Retina 13 inch. I've had that for about a year or so. It's okay. I'm not going to lie. I'm not blown away by the performance of it, but that's because what I had before was a MacBook Pro 15 inch, which is what, four years old, five years old now. But that had, you know, quad core, decent graphics, all the rest of that good stuff. I don't use it very often. It's just that I never got around to selling it when I upgraded to this. So I've kind of decided, well, I might as well keep it as a spare. I do use it every now and then. And the big screen, the 13 inch to 15 inch screen for me makes a big difference, even though it's not retina. So I knew I've been working on some features this week and um, you know I'm not always in my office here. So I like to have a bigger screen when I'm out and about. Um, so I put it into charge over the weekend and I came on Monday morning to uh, get it out. And I thought, oh, 
that's a little bit hot. In fact, I knew it was on on Monday morning because I could hear the fans going, even though the lid was closed. It was all fine until you went to charge it. Like everything, there was nothing untoward about it. Nope, nothing whatsoever, nothing whatsoever. So I, I put it on to charge with the lid closed yep. over the weekend. I probably plugged it in on Saturday night, Sunday morning or something like that. Came to it Monday morning. I could hear the fans were going. I could see that the, the lid had just detached ever so slightly or it wasn't flush closed with the body. So I got it out, realized it was really, really hot, just logged in and it just spontaneously powered off after about 30 seconds. Oh, wow. I thought, that's, not that's a bit weird. They're not meant to do that. And I tried to power it back on again and the screen wouldn't come alive. It was on because the caps lock light was on. Caps lock, always go for caps lock. It's a very good indication of life on a Mac. Always go with a caps lock. And it wasn't as though the screen was like an active black, like a backlit black. It just was not engaged at all. So I went through that cycle a few times, nothing at all. Tried a few different key combinations. Reset the NVRAM, I think was what I ended up doing. It came back on, logged in, and it spontaneously powered off again. I'm like, this isn't right, this is not right. Maybe it's just got a little bit too hot. Maybe because I had it on charge, it's overheated some, that it shouldn't do that. There should be cutouts and things, thermal cutouts. And then I closed the lid and I realized that's not quite right. It's, it's really not closing properly. And looking on the bottom where you unscrew it to put extra RAM in or to change over your disk drives or whatever, I noticed that that just seemed to be bulging a little bit as well. I thought, oh gosh, and where it was really hot was where the battery was. So I turned it over, got my little screwdriver set out, and literally this battery was trying to burst out. And as soon as I undid the, undid the screws a little bit, ping, they went flying off because it had just expanded so much. And I'm like, oh my God, the battery has actually gone and fried. It's basically like when you take your belt off after Christmas dinner. Exactly. So. Naturally, the first thing I did was take photos of this and post them on yeah, social clearly. media. That's the first <laughs> thing you do when it happens. And uh, yeah, lots of people saying, oh, oh, that doesn't look so good. And I got, I got pointed at, at various stories and stuff and doing a bit of Googling as well. I saw that actually I got away quite lightly in as much as some people, the battery has actually gone through the, it's cracked the, the trackpad. It's, you know, become so violent, wow. the, uh, the reaction. And people wow. have taken it down to the Apple store. And I pointed you at, an, at this article, I think, Will, because on the one hand, you've got Consumer Protection Laws, Sale of Goods Act, stuff's meant to last for a certain amount of time. And in England and Wales, that is six years. In Scotland, it's five years. But that's all part of EU regulations here. But Apple's got a different take when it comes to batteries. And this ZDNet article was pointing out a number of people who had gone to the Apple store with very similar problems and been told by Apple staff, yeah, you know, batteries, that's normal wear and tear. That happens. Sorry, you're going to have to buy a new one. And I'm like, what? So on the one hand, this MacBook is, I think, four years old, just coming over four years old now. So it's still kind of within, you know, useful time frame. I've been trying to get an appointment at my local Apple store here in southwest London. Don't go local. Don't go local. Go to a flagship. Go to Covent Garden or go to Regent Street. Seriously. Why? What's the difference? You get much better customer service. Really? Always go flagship for a problem of this level. I've taken stuff back to like a Westfield store or a Brent Cross Apple store mm. and I have not had a satisfactory outcome. I've then taken the same things back to a to Regent Street or to Covent Garden, 
and it's never been a problem. So I feel like I've already explained my taking my Mac to the Genius Bar on a separate podcast. But just to summarise, in case I haven't, or for anyone who hasn't listened to that, I had a problem over Christmas, I had a swelling. I felt that my touchpad was just not clicking properly. So I was trying to edit a video, I hadn't brought a mouse, this thing was just not quite clicking down and I couldn't work it out and I thought, hang on, this is battery swelling, this is the problem. I'd also had a long running problem with the graphics card in the laptop as well. So I thought I might as well take both of these in, get them both sorted at one time. Booked into Covent Garden, saw a genius. We ran through, I said, I think you know, this is the problem with the graphic card. I think this is swelling in the battery. Originally, he would kind of like ummed and and said, mm, I'm not sure it's covered, we'll have to see. And I said, well, I think it's six years is covered. And he went away and he came back and said, it's all covered. We will be sorting this out for you. It will take, I think it took a week, maybe a week and a half. So you went in there and basically said, I know my rights. What are you going to do about it? But also nicely. I think you've got to, you've got to be nice about it, but you've got to be clear that if, you're not going to be fobbed off. I've never had any swelling issues on, on my MacBook, so I'm, I'm good on that front. Is that because you don't have a MacBook? That's because I don't have a Mac. Just, just so we're clear. Have you had any swelling problems on other hardware? No. No. Any explosions? No, none whatsoever. Well, you're right. When I tried to swap out an iPhone 5S once, but the guy in Covent Garden went, no, no, it's only a year. And I went, oh, it's just that. And I didn't go, you're wrong. I really nice said to him, I said, oh, I, I read it was two years. Uh, let me." And I started to find the page online that I found, at which point his tune changed. And he went, oh, yeah, you're, you're probably covered then. Yeah, let, let's change it for you. Oh, you're only just over the year. I think also they have a lot of discretion the Apple Store geniuses as to what they can personally get replaced for free. So it's always worth being nice to them, even if you're outside your rights. Sometimes they may make an exception. As far as the law on this is concerned, it's uh, governed by things like the Sale of Goods Act or since October in the UK. UK, we, we, are, we are far better set up than somewhere like the States because we have, like, Apple Care doesn't really make sense in the UK. It, other than it, it covers accidental damage. So if, you, if you're fairly clumsy, it may be worth getting Apple Care. But for standard care, it's useless in the UK. Your statutory rights are much stronger than Apple, even what Apple Care gives you. And you're also better off buying things not face-to-face, but you're better off, again, according to the consumer law, due to distance sellings regulations and the Consumer Rights Act, buying stuff online or over the phone, you have more rights to return goods, cooling off periods and so on. And this length of time thing, just to be clear on that, goods have to last a reasonable length of time, fit for purpose as described, last a reasonable length of time. And that's the thing which is open to interpretation because it's not one year, two years, six years or whatever else. But for something like a MacBook, I think you can look at equivalent machines that are still in use. And I think four years for a MacBook is still and reasonable length of time. David, it's a bit of a tangent. Am I right in thinking that it's also better to buy something on a credit card and not a debit card because you get more protection that way as well? Am I right? Yes, you do. You do get sec- Section 74 protection when you're buying things of the Consumer Rights Act. Again, this is all uh, in the UK here, the Consumer Credit Act in the UK. It differs, or differs all over the world. But then there, there are also chargeback um, policies in place if you're buying things on, um, on a debit card. But then over £100 
is, is kind of the limit. If you're buying things less than £100, forget it. Over £100, you're in a good place. I'm only pointing this out because David has helped me in the past with a chargeback issue and a company that was trying to screw me. I managed to un unscrew myself because I, I did this chargeback thing and they, and they had to... And they had to back down and they were not happy about it. Really not happy about it. Bonus content for anyone who is watching this. My wife bought some, I think it was some shampoo online and it didn't arrive or they tried three times to deliver it. It then went back to the seller. She then emailed to say, where's my shampoo? And the guy was like, well, we tried three times. So if you want it, you're going to have to pay to get it delivered again. And she said, no, 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 no. He said, yes, you do. So eventually this went round in a circle. So she then spoke to her bank, said, what can I do? They said, oh, we'll just take the money back. So they did. And she then got an email from the owner of this company. She said, I think the words were, the internet would be a much better place if it weren't for shoppers like you. Because <laughs> he, he basically hadn't factored in returns. He hadn't factored in extra deliveries into his costs. And that's what mm -hmm. you have to do when you run a business. There are other costs involved yes. rather than just putting a margin on an item. David, nice, nice swelling. Have you tried putting some cream on it? Yeah, do you know what? I think the swelling's actually gone down over the last few days. Um, but anyway, the thing is, traveling to a flagship store, it, it takes up time. And, you know, time is money. Seriously, time is absolutely money for me. But then if you get a free replacement, that's money too. Oh, yeah. I've tried to book a slot in my local Apple store in Kingston-upon-Thames, and I can't do it. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. It's, it's hard to get the appointments. They let you book a week in advance online, and they're booked up every day up until the day before the last day. You know you can use the Apple Store app to see the available appointments? Um, I don't know if I knew that or not, to be honest with you. What I did do, I was in there yesterday, not with that, because I was in town for, for another reason. I picked up this, the uh, twist grip from, from the Apple store. But I said, look, what do I do? And they go, just turn up, turn up half past nine in the morning. That's what we all do, because even we have to make appointments to see a genius. A genius to see a genius. Exactly. But we do a number of walk-in appointments. This is a bit like the NHS. If you need to get an appointment with your doctor, <laughs> your best what? bet is to do a walk-in first thing in the morning. But I did that after iOS, whatever the last major iOS 9 version was, there were about 75 people <laughs> outside the Apple store in Kingston, all with bricked devices. Bad day. Bad day for a walk-in. That was a bad day. And two different queues, and nobody knew which queue was. It was getting very heated, yeah. so I left. <laughs> so yeah, keep us posted on your swelling. I will keep you posted on my swelling, don't you worry. I've got a new toy. Got a new toy. What is it? We saw on your Twitter. Show us. Oh, yes. So... And again, for the people listening, explain what you have, David. <laughs> Sorry, I forget there's people who just listen to this and don't watch it as well. If you are listening, then why don't you watch too? Because there's so much fun here. Anyway, what I've got in my hand here is... This is nothing revolutionary. It's a Manfrotto Pixie. Just a little uh, little tripod that sits on your desk. And uh, it's a neat little button that you press and it moves the head around. That's not rock and roll. However, this, this is the Manfrotto Twist Grip. Now, as you know, I love a good smartphone videography gadget, and that's what this is. And th this is um, by Manfrotto, big name in supporting things, big name in tripods. And it is a, it's a twist grip. So you twist that around, you twist that around, you twist that. Oh, I see where the naming comes from. 
Exactly. So it can grip hold of your smartphone quite nicely. The idea of the twisting is so it goes flat to make it easier to transport. Is that the rationale there? Yes, and also because it's cool. Yeah, um, and that's one of my reservations. But So it's got a tripod mount on the bottom, and on the top it's got a little cold shoe mount as well. So nice. if you wanted to put a little microphone or a little lamp on there as well, that is perfectly possible. And then it adjusts just with a little mm. twist there. And what kind of grip have you got on there? From what to what would you say? Well, it... it it happily fits an iPhone 6 Plus with, with with room to spare, which is more or less as large as you're going to fit in there. I haven't, I haven't measured it. But the thing is, when you do have a smartphone in there, I mean, I've got an iPhone 5 just here. So when you do have a phone in it, because of the twist, the thing that makes it you know, quite sexy, it actually means, look at that wobble. If I'm walking around, because of those twists, it actually means the smartphone mount is not all that stable which for me is a bit of a turn off it's okay if you're recording something you know like like i'm doing uh, here using my smartphone to film i know you guys have got proper cameras so i'm just using my phone it's fine for static but if you're walking around or being in any way mobile which is kind of the point often of doing mobile filming then actually as neat as it is as made in italy as it is it's just a little bit disappointing which is a real shame you've let me down because I am in search of the perfect iPhone tripod mount. And I've tried many. I've tried ones that grip on the sides. I've tried cases that clip on, that kind of approach. And I've just found the clippy on ones don't feel sturdy enough. They don't feel professional enough. The cases are good. They get a good solid mount, but they're custom to the phone. And also, if you have another case on which you use for everyday use, you've got to take that case off to put this other case on. So I was hoping you were going to solve my problem there, David, but it sounds like I'm still... I can, I can tell you what to get, but I can't show you because that's what I'm currently using to mount my iPhone that I'm filming on. It's called a ShoulderPod S1. Uh, it's a company based in Spain, in Barcelona. And it is, it, it's kind of a clamp with a, with a nice thick screw mount. Uh, it fits onto a tripod and it will fit lots of different sizes of smartphone. Is it made of metal? And it's really, really solid. It is made of metal and, and plastic, but metal. It's got a, a nice handle on the bottom, so if you don't want to mount it to a tripod, you can just hold it with this little handle. It's got a loop here as well, made out of a bit of leather and a bit of you know good quality fabric. It's what a lot of journalists, so I've just come back from uh, Dublin, from the Mobile Journalism Conference at RTE there, and I would say maybe a third to a half of the journalists who had smartphone uh, grips, tripod grips, we're using a ShoulderPod S1, and it's dirt cheap. They sell it in the Apple Store. It's about 30-odd quid. This, from Manfrotto, this is 40 quid, and it, it's a, a little bit pony. How many McClellan stars does the Manfrotto get? I'm going to go, from a design point of view, it's a good four and a half. But from a practicality point of view, again, being out in the field with, with that wobble, it's no more than a two and a half. And can we clarify that's out of five? That, yes, I should say. There's a, surely there are only five stars. Yeah. I've never seen a 10 star rating. Stars are always out of five. We had a problem once on PCW when I used to work. 
I reviewed the Amstrad emailer. Do you remember this, Jeff? The machine that charged you to download adverts. That's, yes, yeah. it charged you to download adverts. It used to sit there flashing at you. I had to actually put post-it notes over its screen because it was disturbing me while I was trying to work. I wanted to give it no stars. But we couldn't because it looked like we'd left the stars off in the magazine. <laughs> we had to give it a star just so it was clear that it had some stars, just not very many. Can you put little hollow stars there that weren't filled in? We didn't have that feature on our magazine, unfortunately. I've worked on a review system before where we gave something no stars and it left hollow uh, star outline shapes. Yeah, it looks like a mistake. And we had to put a, a note in saying, please note this is no stars and not five, five stars to make it clear that it was no stars. I think I clarified in, in the copy that this would normally get zero stars, but unfortunately we had to give it a star just so it was clear that we had given it a star rating. Print publishing, eh? Woo! Hmm. Who remembers that? Yeah, it's gone. Then were the days. The Dropbox failure, which both you and Jeff picked up on. See, I didn't notice it being down at all, and I, I practically live in Dropbox. I picked up on it. I saw Jeff complaining about it online. I don't know if you were trying to do something at the time, Jeff. I just received a press release from the Twitter press office telling me about some new features on Periscope and all of the details were hidden behind a Dropbox link that nobody could access, which was probably bad news for Twitter's PR at the time. If I'm ever adding someone to a folder, I like to log in to the actual website and do it. And I appeared to choose the exact five minutes when, when it was down. And I got, yeah, the sticking plaster over a a box. What, what, does, what does it say? Is that like we're busy unboxing or, or, or something? But it was down for about half an hour, I think. You know, I've known, I've known Google and Facebook go offline more than Dropbox. That's the only one time I've ever known I've ever experienced Dropbox dr drop off. Twitter. Twitter used to go down all the time. How many times did we see the fail whale back in the early days? It was so unreliable, especially during big events. Yes. Any Apple announcement bets on when will Twitter go down? But it seems to be pretty solid now. I think they've actually got a handle on it. But I think they had to rebuild the entire system. As it grew, it was a case of bolting bits on to try and keep it together. And eventually they just had to bite the bullet and rebuild it from scratch. I guess the good news for Twitter is it's not growing anymore. It's, if anything, shrinking slightly. So it doesn't have to worry about capacity. You know, 310 million monthly active users. And that's pretty much where it tops out at the moment. I was on Facebook last night because there's a local Walthamstow group which gets very upset. We have this thing called Mini Holland. Oh, Jeff, yes. Jeff has come and made a video about... Mr Simon Monk, yeah. They've got rid of all of the rat runs, basically, so the traffic has to stay to the main roads and it cannot drive through. Mm. And there's basically two groups, for or against. Any time anyone mentions Mini Holland on these local groups, you'll end up with 500 comments. I think a thousand comments is the maximum you're allowed on a single thread on Facebook, and it regularly wow. hits that thousand maximum. I was just thinking how amazing it is that this is just a very small part of Facebook. It only centers on Walthamstow, yet there's this high level of activity around these posts, and that must be replicated hundreds of thousands of times on different groups. Mm. Across the With world. other local issues, yeah, you mean? So that we other, don't know about. There'll be other burning issue groups which regularly attract 500, 800 comments on a post, all happening at the same time. And it just amazed me the scale of this once you build that out across the world, and yet it works. It works perfectly. 
you just see the comments come up and you're always there up to date. 1.59 billion monthly active users or thereabouts. Plus, obviously, the messaging infrastructure, which is, you know, in addition to what Facebook's doing on the social network, plus WhatsApp as well, which I'm guessing is a is another network. You know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of stuff all at the same time on Facebook. It's astonishing. Hats off that it doesn't break very often. Things that do break are my internet service provider's email. Oh, gosh, I've lost a day's worth of email. Because you should not be with Reg123, David. 123Reg are my internet service provider, and I'm yes, more than happy to say publicly that they've been... They're not very good. They have been shit for the last few months. You know, they've got their customers who, uh, you know, their um, virtual private server customers. They lost... Somebody did a, an admin script, did a, basically an RM-F, and deleted a whole load of stuff. Also deleted the backups that 123Reg have taken of those. So people have completely lost their websites if they didn't have a local backup themselves. That should not be possible. Should not be possible. And then email, it seems as though they've lost a whole load, that they were doing an admin procedure, that's right, to extend the storage. During a working day, I hasten to add, this is about Tuesday the 10th of May, I think it was, uh, in the middle of the day. And I and this is a tantalising thing. I could see on my uh, webmail, I could see emails coming in and I clicked on them. Uh, I could not see the message body because the message had already been deleted. So it was arriving, but it was being deleted straight away. So it's almost like this kind of ghosts of email you were seeing flying through the air. Yeah. And, you know, I'm freelance. This is work that's flashing yeah. before my eyes and disappearing. Actually quite embarrassing. So I set up an autoresponder kind of an out-of-office thing to say, hey, you might want to get in touch with me at another email address. 123Reg, however, said, we haven't lost any of your emails. Nope, you'll have everything back. And I'm saying, right, where are my emails? And they're going, nope, we haven't lost anything. I go, okay, what about all of those emails I received during that day? Nope, you've got them all back. Nope, everything that you received, you've got, I'm like, no, 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 because I've got screen grabs. And I do. I was sitting there all afternoon doing screen grabs of these things. And I'm like, ah, right, okay. Can you send us the email addresses of the people who you missed emails from? I'm saying, that's not the point. I probably can because I've got screen grabs of some of them. But you should be able to tell me if you haven't lost any emails. Can we just drill into your email setup as it is, David? So you've got 123reg hosting your email. I've got a lot of different email addresses, uh, a lot of different domains. Yeah, we all, we all have. We all do. But my main, davidmcclellan.co.uk, Website is hosted with 123reg along with a few others and also they have mailboxes, IMAP and POP mailboxes that I get my email from and, you know, I can plug any of my email clients into that, but also the webmail client as well. The whole lot went down last week. So I'm looking at moving to another service provider. Well, David, it's funny you should mention that <laughs> because I've recently... I've recently moved my mail service provider. Would you like to hear my experience? Who was your email service provider before that, Jeff? Back in the early 2000s, I had a run-in with a UK host called Claranet. Oh, yes. Famous. Where I had some tube maps hosted on my website and TFL got in touch and said, take them down or we'll sue you. It's, it's all documented on my website. I actually had a conversation with the managing director of Claranet at the time. And he went, if you want to keep this stuff, I suggest that you move host. Uh, I then happened to move to America. So I then decided to move to America and move my host to America. So at the moment, while well, I'm half with, I'm with a company called DreamHost. I had them for a while. Their servers are based like in the middle of the Arizona desert. Um, and it's fascinating. People just think that the internet is instant. 
what's fascinating is that when I download my email at home, my, I feel like I've told this story before here on, on, on Fraculous, so apologies if I have, but you'll see the emails like drip in. And when I was on holiday to America last year, my emails, you know, arrived much, you could visibly see them arriving much more quickly in my inbox because, you know, I'm not sat here and they're not going across the Atlantic on, you know, on a wire and back again. And so the time that it takes an email to go across the Atlantic, you could physically see. But I had some problems with them. Um, I didn't think their spam filtering was very good. And somebody here in the UK, I said, well, just, just move it to Google. Like Google Apps is really good now and you get loads of other, you know, bolted on features. Uh, and I was a little bit reticent. I took a little bit of trickery pokery to set it up and there was a, a, f a phase about an hour where I didn't think I was getting emails to either but I don't think I lost anything. And these your MX, D DNS MX records and things. But DreamHost did make it quite easy because in their control panel there's a button that literally says click click this if you want to move to Google and, and you and you then do it. So now my emails presumably are hosted are hosted somewhere in the UK because Google knows I'm in the UK so one my emails literally arrive faster my web, my email clients takes a short amount of time to send an email and their spam filters are much better than DreamHost and I was still, even with spam settings on, getting a lot of cruddy mail, you know, and now I get like one spam email a day, slips through Google's net and it's really good. Although I've had to turn off Google's spam filters. I have a few accounts. I have a general account which I sign up for everything with and I leave the spam filter on for that one because it gets so much spam. And I have some which generally don't get that much spam. To turn off the spam filter in, in Google Apps or even in Gmail, you have to say anything labeled as spam, do not label as spam. But I was in the habit of checking my spam folder just once a day at the end of the working day anyway with my old host. And now, I've, uh, now I feel like I don't have to check it so much because I feel that Google does a better job. Yeah, I would just never check mine, I'd forget. No, I still check mine once a day. Like David, you know, my email is my business, so I have to, I have, I have to check it. And there have occasionally been a couple of... I just turned off my spam filter. That was my solution to that problem. But only on my freelance account and my fixation video account. But I am wishing to move my website, so my, my you know, web domain hosting. I wish to move to a, a UK host. You'd like to have your web host hosted in the country you're currently residing in, is that...? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just, I just want it back in the UK now so that it's speedy and fast again. You can notice the difference when something is overseas. You really can. Albeit just half a second. I've pretty much had Google Apps for as long as Google Apps has been available. Will, did you, did you have it back in the day when it was free? I did. I used to sign up. So Fraculous has a free Google Apps account. Any domain that I was using, I would put on Google Apps just because it was there. I've only ever had one account that wasn't in Google Apps and that was hosted with register.com when I first went freelance because I wanted to pay for an IMAP inbox that had someone that I could shout at if it didn't work. So I used to pay quite a bit for their email initially. But then it literally, as soon as Google Apps came out, I moved my willhead.com account onto that and it's been on there ever since. My email goes to my BlackBerry and on the desktop, I just use webmail. I don't use any local clients. Really? Yeah, because I've been using it so long, I've got gigabytes of email still there and I don't delete anything unless it's very obvious spam. I don't want to download all of that. I want to have a view on my inbox, but because it's Google, I'm hoping they'll be around for a little bit more time. I don't have to worry about my email disappearing. If it was any other company, 
I would, unless it was Apple or Google or Facebook or that level of company, I'd be very wary about leaving my entire inbox in their hands just in case they go out of business. But I kind of figure though that level of company, you can have some reliance that if they're going to take the service away, you will have time to migrate yeah. it to another host. And that's the other thing. I don't want to have to move it anywhere because it's gigabytes. I remember when I migrated from Hotmail to Gmail, I was insistent on having a Gmail account rather than a Google Mail account and because of trademarks issues over here in the UK. I used to use my trips to the States to register Gmail accounts that I would then use later on. I think it was on my honeymoon. On my honeymoon when I was in Malaysia, I was able to register a Gmail account then and I'd had a Hotmail account for about eight or nine years before then. So I went through the process of manually moving all of my Hotmail into my Gmail and then realizing only afterwards pop three import that Gmail actually had an import option for Hotmail. Oh. We used to have to have an invitation for Gmail. So I would store up the invitations. I would then use them to reserve accounts. And yet I managed to not reserve willhead at gmail.com. Oh. I, I don't know how I missed that one. Now I will always sign up willhead on any service that anyone mentions anywhere, just so I've got it. What did you do when Emojily came out? What was your sign up then? <laughs> I remember that. I got a single character. I got a single character emoji, which was, I think it was a left facing arrow. I went through every single one. <laughs> I was in the car, I was meant to be picking up my daughter from nursery. You know other people are listening to this, Will. I'm not sure that's <laughs> something you want to go public. She was fine, she was in the hands of professionals. Okay. <laughs> How about Peach? How's Peach going for you, Will? When was the last time you logged into Peach? Uh, excuse me. Excuse me, hang on. Sorry, David. David, I signed up to Peach because you were banging on about it. I did a friend request to you and I never heard back from you ever again. So I, I didn't use Peach anymore because you ignored me. <gasps> Burn. I don't know. That's How can that be true? I didn't really have very many friends on Peach. I never got a response from you. I, f I searched for you, I found you. I thought, there he is. Friend request, nothing. I mean, Will and I were BFFs on there. I had more conversations with Will, i.e. three, than I had with anyone else on Peach. I actually uninstalled it a few weeks ago. Oh, I've still got it. It's still on there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I took it off after about a month. You're big on deleting apps though, Jeff, aren't you? Anything that might notify you. If I didn't make any phone calls, I would delete the phone app off my phone. If Apple would let you. Oh, God. Oh, please, Apple. Oh, God. Yes. So, Jeff, hang on a second. Here's the thing. Why do you have a phone? Why don't you just walk around with an iPod Touch? No, I do make phone calls. I was being funny. I was saying if I never made phone calls, I would... Oh. And you could Skype people. You could have Skype. You could have Switch. You could use WhatsApp. You could use... Fe oh, you well, can't use Facebook. And you can't use WhatsApp either because you've gone off all of those. iPod Touch has got no mobile data, though, has it? It's only got Wi-Fi. Yeah, true. So you could have a data-only account, but you'll get no discount for having a data-only account. True, true. The popular response I heard is that Google were launching all these new developments as, as separate products, and someone was saying, why not just bundle them all as one product? Yeah, it's like Facebook stripping out Messenger. So I don't use the Facebook Messenger app because it used to be a notorious battery suck. I took it off and I got the paper app, which has integrated messaging. And also it's a much nicer way to use Facebook. Obviously, Jeff, you 
You don't know what's going on on Facebook these days. I still don't know what that is. No. <laughs> but I don't know why this insistence of separating everything out into separate apps. I want fewer apps. I want more integrated apps. I can't see another text messaging app taking up space on my phone. Here's what I have on my phone for messaging at the moment. I have, in addition to things like Twitter, Facebook, I also have Yo, still, Peach, Telegram, mm-hmm. Wire, BBM. Wire, yeah. Line. Line. One. Have you ever lined anyone? I've never lined anyone. I just, I'm just registering my, my username. That's all yeah, I'm doing. Just in case it takes off. Always registering my... Keek. I've never even opened Keek. What is Keek? Oh, yeah. There are too many already messaging apps. We don't need another messaging app. That's my take on it, though. I was thinking about this the other day. Someone was giving me a hard time again the other day about not being on Facebook and not being on WhatsApp. And I thought, well, why can't you just have one app which does... iMessage. ...brings everything together? No, but why, you know, why couldn't you have an independent app on your phone? Well, there were those. Do you remember, like, Adium... There was like that un- instant message one that would tie in your aim, your... Yes. Basically, what I hate is having four different apps and the, and the badges are popping up or with notifications. If I had one app, whether it didn't care whether it was an iMessage or WhatsApp or a Telegram, but if I just had one place to check and one thing notifying me and then one generic field where I could go in and I could type my reply and I wouldn't even have to know or care if it was a Facebook message or a Telegram message or WhatsApp message. I just went, thanks so much, reply. That, that surely the, I would be happy with that. Why hasn't someone done that? But we had this problem when we had AOL Instant Messenger, we had MSN Messenger, we had Yahoo Messenger and you would have different groups of friends on different ones and there was, the only way to integrate them was to sign into all the services in a single app and that would then unite them in some way. That's what ADM used to do, except for Skype. Because Skype, you still had to have separate because they wouldn't allow... <laughs> they would have found a way into Skype at that time. So you still <laughs> had to run Skype separately. Uh, it's the same. It's the same problems all over again. So more, more messaging apps. Brilliant. Thanks, Google. And then there's the Google Home speaker, which is similar to the Amazon Alexa. This idea of you have... This device, which is always listening in your house, which I'm not keen on. I don't know. What do you guys think about this? In David's house, it would just pick up children's voices. This is what, it, is what you would true. hear, obviously. <laughs> and my wife, who's so, just entered the door as well. Hi, Kerry. <laughs> Good evening, Kerry. <laughs> don't worry. This bit will be edited out. Probably. Oh, and, and now my phone's ringing. Hang on. <laughs> Item 36 of my to-do list is put my phone in Do Not Disturb, Jeff. Just FYI. The whole having a microphone in your house, always listening, kind of freaks me out. The same thing as having an internal camera in your house all the time. I know you have some of these, or at least you did, David. You had some of these. You were testing. I still do. I would quite like one of these cameras that I could put outside my house because of this whole mini Holland thing. There aren't many parking spaces on our street, so I would like to know... (laughs) whether I should come down my street or come down a different street that's going to take me five minutes to get to because of Mini Holland before I get home. So I'd quite like to have a look down my road to see if there are any parking spaces. That would be my one use for one of these Wi-Fi connected cameras. But in my house all the time, I don't like the idea of it. And a microphone as well. I think there's just something a bit creepy about what that could, could do. We've all seen the EastEnders episode when the baby monitor's been left on. It's a classic drama device. 
that someone overhears something they shouldn't overhear. And I think inviting these microphones into your home is what's going to do that. This is the one tech that I'm not jumping at. I'm happy with Siri because I have to summon Siri. But anything I don't have to summon, no. But Siri's listening all the time, depending on how you got it configured. Hey, It's only listening out for that, though. Hang on a minute. How, how does it know what it's listening out for? Because that's the whole thing about the always-on Siri. The chip is designed to pick up Hey, Siri. That's what it's listening for. It's not listening for everything. It's listening for a trigger. And also, Apple are very big on security. But it's listening. It is listening, but it, within the security of the iPhone. Search turns something up for everything, and also Apple are very big on security. Have a look. Thanks, David. OK, Xbox. Moving back to Siri, Apple has already come out and said quite clearly, we are going to keep your information private. They've gone up against the FBI. They've said the contents of your phone are private as far as we're concerned. So if Apple made one of these always on microphone things, I would maybe think about it. But even still, it would still freak me out a bit. But at least I would, be, I would trust Apple that it wasn't going to listen unless it needed to. That's my take. So, David, I'm aware that we're coming up to your bath time. <laughs> It's not my bath time. It is how it, my, my kids are already in the bath, but it's when they get out. That's the uh, that's the crunch time, and I do need to be available for that. Jeff, you're off on your trip, aren't you? Yes. So you'll be thrilled to know that since we spoke last time. Yes, update us. I've been saying which data plan did Jeff go with? I had a nice chat with the people at Vodafone, and I have gone for the international traveller, which is five pound a five pound a day. Five pound a day. How long are you going for? Yeah, well, I'm going for three weeks. And I thought, it's a lot of money. And then I thought, so I thought two things. It's £105. I thought, I'm going to try not to use it every day. I'm going to try and see if I'm at a Wi-Fi place. And if there's not, mm. oh, I need data, then I'll go with it. On the other hand, they kind of, they, it's clever because they know that it's just so convenient that you'll go, oh, it's only, it's only £5. Do you know when the day runs? Is it US time or is it UK time? Oh, what a great question. I have no idea. No. You need to find this out, Jeff. You need to know exactly when your charging 24-hour period starts. Great point. I don't know. I thought, you know what? If you sort of... It's one of those cases where I thought I do need my phone to stay in touch and email and whatnot. So I'm just, I'm just going to do it because it means you don't have to have any hassle, you know, trying to get any other connectivity anywhere else. It's just... You've gone for the low friction, high cost option. I have gone for the low friction, high cost option because it's just easier. Conversely though, and you might be able to tell me this now, I'm on Vodafone, a friend of mine is on O2 and he's going to America as well later this year. And he went, oh, is there a similar O2 thing? And I could find a thing that there's a bolt on for O2 called... O2 Travel. Yeah. Which is £2 a day, but it is just Europe only. So David, you seem to know these things. Is, is there an O2 version of International Traveller in for America and Canada, as it's known? I cannot remember. I don't believe that there is. I've written a thing on this. Have a look at techradar.com and it's got a breakdown of all the different networks and whether you can roam and tether at the same time. Our friend Jonathan Morris, I think his blog is jmcoms.com. Yes. I will double check that yes. and link it in the show notes. He covers a lot of this. He's very much up on the current roaming tariffs and what you'll get. So that's worth a look. Definitely. What I have found, though, is an app which lets you send a postcard from your phone. And so you take a picture and then you open up the app and you type in some words like, hey, having a lovely time. Does it do them in a script font? 
Yeah, does it in the script font. You select your recipient from the contacts. You then pay a couple of dollars using Apple Pay. And then it just gets sent off to a remote server, you know, back home where they print out your customized postcard using your photo and, and they mail it to your friend. So I'm going I'm to send you maybe a photo. For, you know, I'll be like, hey, standing in the middle of a d- d- desert or canyon and having a lovely time. And what tech are you packing? I'm sorry, guys. I've got a split. Sorry. Farewell. Bye bye. Will, do you want to finish off? Yeah, what tech are you are you taking? I'm actually, no, I'm only just taking my iPad and my iPhone. That's it? Yeah, I'm not taking my laptop. No PC, no laptop, mobile first. Not taking a video camera, not even taking a stills camera. Oh, wow. My delightful other half, I think she's taking a stills camera. She's quite into her stills cams though, isn't she? She is. I'm just going to go with phone and I'm basically... You're going to get her to take all the good photos. No, I'll take some good photos, but then at the end of the day, I'll if I find Wi-Fi, then that sh- is getting uploaded to uh, Dropbox immediately, like every day, so I know that I've got a, a, a backup. Or if I run out of space on my phone, I can then delete them, knowing knowing that they're they're backed up. And then I'll just use my iPad just to sort of do you know check in on emails and be like, yeah, just you know just make sure that the whole email thing is uh, is ticking over. So no, I'm traveling, traveling light, which is nice. End of Fraculous. If your puny human minds can handle more, then follow on Twitter. At sign F R A C K U L O U S. Or individually. At sign David McClelland. D A V I D M C C L E L L A N D. At sign Jeff Tech. G-E-O-F-F-T-E-C-H At sign, Will, Head, W-I-L-L-H-E-A-D Email your brains to, hello, at sign, fraculous.com Hey Siri, how you doing? Oh, Will, Will's doing checklists. Record oh, God, we, we could be another ten minutes then. Close window. Yeah. Sync clap, Will. Okay. I'm not rolling yet. Okay. Hold on, I'm not rolling yet either. Don't no, know. Will, too eager. I just want to get my checklist done. Do not disturb iPhone. Now, iPhone I, this cable? is not good at all. What's going on here? What's this lighting all about? That looks wonky. Oh, I need to flick that up so I can see. I just need sync claps from you, and that's my list done. Hold it. I should probably be rolling then in that case. Yeah. Ideally, <clears throat> roll before you do a sync clap. Yeah. Show us, your list. Show us your list, Will. Here is my list, Jeff. That's a to-do list, literally a to-do list. I think it has 37 items on it at the moment, of which there's only one to complete. Um, I'm good to roll. Yeah, okay, Jeff, roll. Uh, one, hang two, on, no. one, two. Hang on, no, I haven't formatted my card. Hang on. David, roll. Are I'm rolling. David, sync clap. David, sync clap. Excellent. Right, just you, Jeff, and then I can take this off. <laughs> no pressure, you know. I genuinely love that you have a, you have a list. It's, that makes my day so much. Okay, I'm rolling. Okay, you're rolling. Jeff, sync clamp. 
think that done. 